Hey yo, we about to tear it up. Yo, break for break, break for break, get down. This right here is how we do it. Break it down. It's the Break Angels podcast. We break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, aka the Potty Mouth of the South. Chris is away celebrating his wedding anniversary, and uh, I want to let you know about the special episode we have today. We have one of the greatest MCs to ever touch the mic, OC. Myself and Chris spoke to OC for over two hours, and this is just part one. In this episode, we talk Freddie Fox, Big L, Fat Joe signing with Hyro, DJ OG. Where's Cousin Boo, DJ Khaled, and why the management deal with Puff Daddy didn't work out. Check it out. So this is a, a very special episode of the Breaking Atoms podcast. The very first time that me and Chris are interviewing together. But more importantly, the first time we have, uh, let's just say, one of the best MCs to ever grace the mic. Um, wow. It's OC from the Digging in the Crates crew. Um, the venomous one. We can go through all the aliases as much as you want, but My, OC, microphone phenomenon. Make sure you say that. <laughs> OC, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you all for having me, man. Um, first things first. Uh, how is everyone? It's crazy times, right? So how is everyone? Yeah, how's family? Crazy. How's your mental? How's everything? Everything is good. I mean, um, I don't live in New York anymore. I haven't been in New York since last year, so okay. I got away so to speak, from the pandemic. I didn't know it was coming. We, you know, me and my wife didn't know anything was coming, but we knew something was coming. I knew anyway. I just didn't know something was coming of this magnitude. And um, it's like this everywhere. I mean, y'all got it, we got it. It's, it's all over the planet. So it's something, we make a history. We all a part of history right now. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good way of looking at it. That is a good way. Yeah. Of um, and we just hope that you know everyone can get back to be safe. You know, touring is. I've got friends in who are uh, who are promoters. Find it very difficult. Um, just everyone. Like I've not worked in like six months now. It's like it's yeah, crazy. yeah. It's mad. It's crazy. And, um, yeah. Let's so, be clear though. It's not, not nothing's never going back to what you remember before uh, the new year. Mm. Anything prior up to the new year is forever changed for all of us. Like, so I don't know when we're gonna get back to doing shows. I know they're trying to do sports and stuff, but oh, um, it's not working, man. I mean, I just seen um, Alyssa Milano, the actress from Who's yes. the Boss. Her, she was on on a on a. Uh, a new show showing her hair falling out from the, the COVID. Wow. Her hair's falling out now? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. Things is getting crazy. It's about to get worse before wow. it get, get better. Damn. Let's, let's, let's understand that. Like, we don't know what this is. Yeah. So, you know, other than that, man, working, I'm ready to work, but everybody's ready to work, but it's just <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> nah, it's crazy, bro. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Nah, it's but, speak, but speaking of work, um, I think we all we'll, we we want to go through a bit of your discography. But I think me and Chris have memories of when we first heard you. Chris, I remember right. you telling me a story about the first time you heard OC and the kind of full circle nature. Yeah, so um, it was I think summer '97. I was mm -hmm. listening to Shorty Blitz, uh, the Kiss FM rap show. 
And I heard, dee -dee -ding, dee -dee -ding, dee -dee, and I'm like, okay, what's this? And then that's what the first time I ever heard Far From Yours. So right. I, I missed word life. Um, I grew up in a church background. Um, my older brother wasn't into hip hop music. So I caught on to things late when I first started to get my own money. But yeah, Far From Yours, 97, Shorty Blitz, mm -hmm. Kiss FM. And it all came full circle last December. I got married. And Shorty Blitz, the same guy who Congratulations, brother. Welcome Thank you. To the club. Thank you. My 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 wife is a massive fan of yours too. She she might pop in and say hello. Um but yeah, we had um we had Shorty Blitz DJ at our wedding. So it was really cool. It was a special moment That's for both of us. And we actually had we had far from yours on the on the wedding playlist as well. So Oh wow, that's yeah. crazy. I yeah, appreciate man. that. And good. congratulations to y'all too, man. Thank you so much. That's amazing. For for me, I had my dad post this from the old crib. I needed wow. it I needed it in time. Because I've got the vinyl with me here. But this right. is see the, the thing about the thing about you, OC, is your liner notes, the things that you say you like it's, it's not conventional. This is the joints that leaked out. Like I love that, right? right? I love that. Right. So I had to I had to go, right, I need to get this I needed to stand out. We just did an episode on uh, hip hop stands mm -hmm. and stand levels and you know Twitter, hip hop Twitter. But mm -hmm. this is our moment to stand out, and that's now. We've done now. We've, mm -hmm. we've right. finished. We're, we're getting to business. Um, Yo, I we all stands, though. We all stand. Like, you can't be a stand and be in, the, in, in, this, um, in this music. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a stand of, I mean, a lot of my, my heroes is still alive and still, you know, they still doing their thing. So when I get in the room with somebody like Rakim or, or Kane or somebody, I might not even say nothing to them. I'll just stand back and look at them like, damn, like, you know, that's the God MC or that's King Asiatic or that's G-Rap over there, like one of the Godfathers of gangster rap. And, you know, it, it's, it's still to this day, you know, overwhelming. Like Grandmaster Cads is always around us, you know, he's family. So to be around these guys is just like, that's a super stand moment for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, hey, yeah. we that that Kaz is someone that never gets brought up now, and he he laid the groundwork so much. We we got I got a question later about hip hop Twitter, and mm -hmm. and people who are forgotten, and, and also something that you mentioned in one of your raps, uh, and about how we should pay homage to those that have laid the groundwork, because um, you know it's easy to forget in this day and age because things are moving so fast. Um, I want to start with your pen game. Right. I'm not a I'm not a rapper. Chris mm -hmm. is an MC, you are top tier. Um, it feel like you pick your words very carefully. And for someone who can't rap, I want to understand your writing process and how that's changed throughout your career, and if it has. Well, um, I mean, this is not to you or you or Chris, but I'm not a rapper. I mean, I, I haven't been a rapper since I, I got my first record deal. Like, I think we rap physically but i'm a writer i'm a writer first you know what i'm saying and it's it's the equivalent to to guys who produce like you got guys who make beats yeah. and you have guys who do production so i always tell people you know let's be clear i haven't rapped since high school you, you know what i'm saying <laughs> but i understand what you mean though i'm just saying um yeah i choose my stuff carefully because I was raised that way, you know, to be calculated, to not just shoot off the lip. You know, when, when we're kids, we tend to say things and get in trouble for it. 
because we don't think about it sometimes. And I just took that into my adulthood, man, and, and, and into my career as a writer. Like, to, I want people to digest what I'm saying. That's important to me. It's not important to me to get the most, you know, likes or who's, if I'm in somebody's top 10, I don't care about that top 10 shit anymore. I don't care about top 20. I don't care about none of that. I did in the past, but at this point, you know, to if you either know me or you don't, you either familiar with me or you not, you know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of artists besides myself go unnoticed over the years. And they got a hell of a, a, a writing game and, and they'll never be acknowledged. So that's why I always keep you humble, you know, when I talk to guys and, and, and people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. About anything that pertains to music, as far as with me anyway. That, that, that's, I think that's fair enough. I think, I think um, far from yours, there's a, there's a uh, part of the verse which kind of illustrates your poetry, your writing skills. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about you being a symphony. Uh, some will go down in infamy, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you'll ring bells in all your facilities, you know, things like that. You're the antidote and the remedy. There's alliteration, right. there's metaphors. That's writing skills, that's poetry, that's right. in the full sense of it. So no, I, I, I completely understand. Where, how, how, where were you when you wrote that, far from yours? Do you remember? Um, I think I was in Queens, New York. Literally, like, and my mom's in the basement. Like, I wasn't living there at the time, but I was just there. You know, I lived in Brooklyn and my parents lived in Queens, but I used to go back and forth. And I couldn't escape writing music in a basement from how I started. So anytime I would work on a project, I would go to Queens. Wow. Yeah, so um, it's a funny thing about Far From Yours. My mother was playing that record. She was playing the Quincy Jones record. It's an, it's an original piece. People don't understand that by the Brothers Johnson and Quincy Jones. And then later on, he reinterpreted with Tevin Campbell. But um, my mom's was playing uh, Brothers Johnson's album in the house and I heard the sample and I was like, so I brought it to Buck and Buck looked at me like, you know, they DITC, we DITC. Like, come on, man. like. Shit is too easy. What are you doing? And you know, I got a couple of resistance on the album like that. Far from yours being one of them, and dangerous was another one where the whole crew was like, We not touching that. Like, that's not no right. We not digging. That's nothing, nothing about that record says digging. And I was like, I'm gonna show y'all. Y'all know this is a park jam record. You know, we grew up in the parks listening to this joint. And um, yeah, that's how this the record came about as far as far from yours though. Okay. That's, I learned something today. You actually brought the sample to Buckwild, like that's dope. I didn't know, yeah, no. I didn't know that either. That's a nice little tidbit. We're gonna talk more about the lyrics though. Oh, um, here I am talking like I've known you for years, calling you O. Um, let's talk about some of your recent stuff. Perestroika mm -hmm. with Apathy, I love that album. Um, mm -hmm. It was an album when I saw the names together, I was like, how is this gonna work? And when I listened right. to it, like, it's perfect. On the, on the title track, you mentioned something and I was listening to it on the treadmill and I nearly fell off the treadmill when you said this. You said, if you are murdered, um, don't avenge me. The get back will offend my spirit. Mm -hmm. What kind of spirituality is it that you have where if something happens to you, me, showbiz, Lord Finesse, 
Summit, we can't go outside and act a fool on your behalf. Like, what, where does that peace come from to say, look, if something happens to me, leave it alone. God will deal with that. From Big L. I suspected that, but I wanted to hear that from you. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, from Big L, your friends, my friends, just, yo, um, it's no, it's no solution in revenge all the time. You know what I'm saying? It's a cycle. And I didn't look at it like that per se when I wrote the lyric, but now that you brought it up, I probably did because at the end of the day, I've seen this so many times. We see this in the States and we see this in the UK and in, in the hoods, man. Somebody get murdered, their friends get retribution. Then a month later, you know, it ends up like Boys in the Hood with, with, with Ice Cube getting, brother getting murdered, then he get murdered a week later. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's no solution in that. So as men of color, we have to figure out ways to come to a better understanding. Fight it out. You know what I'm saying? Like something, man. Something other than just murdering each other. Like, it's so, um, it's so premature to die at 20, 30, even 40, 50 years old, that's still young. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather die old man, you know, than 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 the uh you know, than 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 any other way, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I you know, growing up, you know growing up as well, like people just got revenge back on other people because one of their friends got murdered. And I just never saw a solution in that. Only a, a bad cycle. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Talking about death and life though on the new DITC Studios, Volume 2, um, Speak Your Mind. What I love about the song you did, um, well, sorry, the lyrics you did on that song, very simple, but had some depth to it. And you said, white man die, leave a will, black man die, leave a bill. You're talking about longevity in life. How have the lessons from the longevity in your music career applied to your life, just in terms of planning, your wife, you know, people who, who will be here after you? Like, what, what's your mindset? <sighs> Let's be clear, man. The music business is dog eat dog. Y'all know this. So the finance part of it, we got to get that together too. Like, I mean, they said this music wouldn't even last. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always tell people, just for people to get an understanding, hip-hop just turned 47, right? Mm-hmm. A couple of days ago. But I always told people, yo, this shit ain't even 50 years old in the music business. Think about that. It's not 50 years old in the music business, so it's still a young genre of music, but it's the most popular, it's the most, um, it's the it's the number one music to bring people together. Ain't never been done that way. I mean, it's, it's brought black, white, Indonesian, uh, Irish, uh, any, type of ethnic background you can think of hip hop's brought together. I'm not saying uh, other music, uh, John and the music haven't done that, but they haven't done that as deep as we did. I feel like, you know what I'm saying? And other people feel that way too. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, I think, I mean, that's how Summit and I became friends through, through yeah. pop music. So it, it's, it's, it's real what you're saying. The last one I want to ask you about, Trophies. Um, that mm-hmm. album is so close to my heart because I'm such a big Apollo fan. And when mm-hmm. I heard he was working with you, I was like, this is a marriage. This is going to work. Um, on Fantastic, you said, you were talking about Bon Appetit, and you said the streets said it was a miss and you felt like it was a slap in the face. 
Um, I know in terms of your catalogue, that album has been critiqued, but when I heard you call it a slap in the face, I'm like, that's quite deep. How did you process the criticism about that album? And you know, when did you first start hearing criticism that people weren't maybe feeling it as much as you would have hoped they would at the time? Um, upon its release, when I, when I released it, I think it was um, when I got back feedback, you know, through the, I don't know, I, I read it, the Source Magazine gave me a rating. They, they basically gave me props, but at the same time, it felt like it was jabs in that, in that same article. And um, I didn't understand that. You know, I'm like, you can't, I can't make word life over and over. I can't make jewels over and over. These are chapters in my life, whether it's good or bad. Um, I can't make the music you want me to make. I'm making music according to my life and what I see around me and what I interpret. So I got a lot of, it's a sellout album. It's this, it's that with Bon Appetit. And it, it made me think about fans. Now y'all gonna bug out over this one because y'all was talking that fan shit. It's, it made me think about fans and supporters. And I stopped calling people fans and I started interpreting people as being a support system for me because you're not gonna like everything I do. You know what I'm saying? But at least with somebody who supports me, they give it a shot. They don't go all crazy over it and, and want to shoot me in front of the Dakota like they did John Lennon and, and, and move on. You know what I'm saying? People who support me truly have stepped to me, you know what I'm saying, in the past and be like, yo, I took time and listened to that album. I understand it now. Yo, the album is dope. Or they, they just don't like it. It's not their cup of tea. And I love my supporters for that. Fans, on the other hand, oh, man. They throw you under the bus. <laughs> you know, they curse your mother. <laughs> They'll do everything in their power to just make you feel like you fell off or you know, if it wasn't done the way they wanted you to do it, it's not right. You know, you go through these, these situations. So after that third album, I learned to adjust my mindset to uh, people. Because I don't make music for the people when I'm making it at the moment. I make it for me and what I'm going through and what other people are going through. And then once it's released, there's nothing I could do. You know, whatever people say about it, whatever people feel about it, it's how they feel about it. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, it's it's an album I've gone back to uh, a, a few times, and I, I can say that over the years I've, I've grown to like it a lot more. Now, in terms of your catalogue, you know, there's other albums that I hold, you know, top. But I've I've gone back to it, and I think I think some of the criticism was unwarranted. But you know, you tried you tried something new. It's all good. No doubt, but I don't think it was nothing new. I think it started a trend. I think. Oh, because um, the blueprint came out around. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. read that. I read yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I think it started a trend. Trend did it? Um, it Buckwild just happened to work on a whole album. I was working with Jay and him at the time, and he let him hear he let him hear songs. And then that's you know I heard the blueprint. Mm -hmm. I ain't saying Jay stole anything. No, no. I'm just saying. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, I hear you. Buck played a whole lot of shit, and blueprint happened. Well, Summit. He he was we were talking we were talking today and he was um we were talking about times up, mm -hmm. right? That's like quintessential, 
quintessential Omar. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. has, he said to me, did you know that Time's Up, was ri- it took him a year to write it. Like, he wants to ask if that's true. I don't know if that's true. No, I, I'm going to leave this to Summit. Yeah, so yeah. I, I read that and I wasn't sure. That's, I've got like these kind of burning like questions as a fan to go, did it take you up to a year? Because I think it was Rap Pages, I remember reading it. And mm-hmm. Slurch was saying, he was talking about the process of the album and he said right. you were, it took about a year to do. And I was like, okay, I, when I speak to OC, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him that. Yeah, no, nah, it, it, it took around that time. And, you know, that's why I only did two. Yo, I'm the pioneer of the two verses too. I didn't do it. I did it by accident because I couldn't finish the third verse for it. And on top of that, going going backwards, that was Farrell's record first. That wasn't my record. Right. That was Monty's record. I stole a cassette tape from him because I kept asking him for that beat. A a guy named Prestige produced uh, for the Hitman. He played, he was a, 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 of March stand. He used to come to March's house playing all kind of samples and stuff like that. And do anybody who was in the house with us, he would blink out. He was only focused on March. But he didn't know how to put music together. He didn't know how to chop, none of that. And this guy even uh, did a record on my album called, uh, my first album called, um, oh shit. I've got, I've got the album here, hold up. Uh, man. You're, talking, anyway. you're talking about you're talking about Davin Vanderpool. Yep. Yep. Uh, boom, boom, boom. He did point. He co-produced Point of Views. Point of Views. And the reason why he got a co-production because he didn't know how to use a sampler. Right. He just knew how to dig for records at the time. And the irony of it is, that's why you can't shit on nobody either. He became one of the hitmen for for Bad Boy later on. But um, yeah, he played the sample for March and I was just like blown away. I sat there and I was like, yo, that, that joint right there is dope. You're not gonna use that? He was like, nah, I'm gonna get back to it. He threw it to the side. So when he threw it to the side, I basically caught it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He slipped it in my pocket. It was like, I know what to do with this. And you know, contrary to you know, the, the story, man, when I did sit down with it, it was so awkward. The music, what you hear is not the, the actual, you know, buck chopped it up. You know, the original sample was kind of awkward to rhyme to. And, um, I, I, you know, at this time I was dealing with buck. I just started dealing with buck, you know, doing demos and stuff like that. And I, I told him what it was and I played it for him. He found it simple and the rest is history. Oh, and I, I had to tell March that, yeah, I stole a joint and I <laughs> found it simple. <laughs> he didn't say nothing, no, that's my big brother, you know? All right, fair enough, fair enough. Now, Farrah's, he's the guy. The, he spoke of the hitman. The other thing I want to talk about was what happened with Bad Boy. Mm-hmm. So, the, um, so Puffy wanted to manage you or something around, around that time? What happened? Well, this was after the album came out. Um, Craig Mack, Flavor Your Ear was super hot. He was, he was hotter than Biggie. He was probably the hottest, if not one of just the hottest artists out at that moment. And um, I got a chance to tour with those dudes. So um, 
I remember doing shows with, God bless, man, with Craig Mack, and, and Dude would do the record twice in a club. And I was like, yo, I'm not going on after that, man. Like, I'm not going on before that. Like, you bug it. Like, come on. Like, you really make it in hard for us, you know? I, yo, I've seen in spots, in some spots, where Juicy was already a gold single that me and Big would almost get booed some nights because Craig Mack had flavor. Yo, flavor in your ear was a phenomenon, man. You, People Biggie, don't understand that. Biggie, you got booed? We almost got booed some nights because some nights, yo, it, Craig was working so much off of that record in the beginning when it started to bubble. He would do two or three shows in one night. So if we was in Rhode Island, he would try to make it to Connecticut. Then he would try to go from Connecticut to uh, uh, Boston in the same night just to go get that back. Because people was like, yo, we need you to perform tonight. And like I said, Juicy was a gold single already. But, yo, Craig built Bad Boy. I agree. I agree. He built Bad Boy. He, he built the house and, you know, put the foundation there. And, well, anyway... After that tour, you know what I'm saying, I, I sort of was cool with Puff. Puff stepped to me about management. You know, we, you know, I stepped to him as well. You know, he, he caught it about management. So when I went to his office to talk about management, he was talking about remixing the whole album, and I wasn't with that. So he basically told me to get the fuck out of his office. Sounds like something Puffy would do. Actually. It does, right? Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> So he wanted to remix. He wanted to remix the whole joint. He wanted to remix the whole world life, and I was like, "Nah, that's I'm good with that. That's nah, good what's on, not yeah. gonna happen." Yeah, no, good. Creative control, he isn't was it? Like, get out. It's creative control. You said it. You said it. Creative control. You already yeah, said it. That's the OC. first record on that. Like, how you not gonna? How you gonna ask me some <laughs> shit like that? Like, I mean, <laughs> and and in hindsight, I I I thought I regretted it at one point, but then. You know, people was like, nah, man, like, you did the right thing. And over the years and over time, I was like, I'm glad I didn't make that move. Yeah, okay. We wouldn't have this conversation if I did, probably. Mm. No, I, I hear you. Just yeah. quickly, we're sticking on word life before we move on to, to, to Jules. Organisms. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mentioned on your publishing and there's also like a list of names Like we know Farrell Munch, we know Prince Paul, shout out to Organized mm -hmm. Confusion, but there's a bunch of other names there as well. Just run through the, who, who was the Organisms crew and like, you know, how come we didn't get a project with all you guys or at least OC and Organized Confusion? Because that's something I feel should have happened over the years. Um, the Organism crew was a, a couple of cats that was on some Basquiat shit, for example. Um, the Stress Extinction Agenda album cover was a guy, Matt Duke. Uh, Matt Duke. Yeah. But it was a guy named X in our crew that was an artist as well. So he did a lot of the, the sketches and stuff like that that Matt expounded on. You know what I'm saying? And um, it was him. His name is Extreme. We mentioned him on our albums and stuff like that. It was another cat named Snap. We, we called Snap, his name was Damon. He provided a lot of the, the sound bite. Damn, I don't want to get it. He provided a lot of the music, 
lot of the samples to the organized confusion of repertoire in the beginning. A lot of this crazy samples and jazz and funk and the R&B, like Damon Snap was good at those kind of records, finding those kind of records. So he would bring them to Farrell and Prince. Um, organisms was a couple of other people too, like we had a, a, a guy named uh, Kid Nice, you know, um, another guy that used to DJ for me early on, his name is Butch, but we called him Neat. And um, these was guys that DJed or was up and coming as far as trying to do production and stuff like that. But they just, they just never pursued it any further after our first and second albums. But, you know, I stuck with the, the whole premise of it. Okay, you learn something new every day. Summit, Jules, yeah. the, um, my, one of my favorite, no, it's probably my favorite hip hop album of all time. When it's wow. Serious. No, I'm, no. Dead, I'm deadly serious, I'm deadly serious. Serious, you sure about that? We are I'm, serious, yeah. I'm yeah. Not, we're not kidding you. I've, I've, had, I've had arguments in my house, oh, um, when, we, when me and my missus have birthday parties, like three in the morning. I Yo, made that's them crazy. Listen. You and your lady have arguments about it. No, <laughs> we, we, talk, we talk about word life, Jules. I had my friends over. I'm like, no, Jules is the one. And we're going to listen to it from top to bottom. It's three in the morning. I'm like, I'm serious. Right. Listen to this. Favorite album, of, my favorite hip hop album of all time. Well, go ahead. Wow. No, wow. He, he, he's, he's not wrong, OC. He's not wrong. I'm not going to lie. He's not wrong. Um, I have liner note questions. Mm -hmm. Tony, call it a single Dorsey. Now, mm. I want to know how that nickname came about because he's very important. He's a, he's, a, he's a black man doing mixing and mastering. At the time, especially in the industry, you wouldn't find too many black people doing that. There was Duro mm -hmm. who was also on the album too. Obviously, Guru came after. Um, mm -hmm. How did Call It A Single, that nickname for Tony Dorsey come about? I, yo, honestly, I didn't know Tony that well. I knew him from, you know, Search. I knew him from... Prince and March going to their sessions and stuff like that. So that's how I, I, I got introduced, but I didn't have a, a relationship with Tony like that. I just knew he was a hell of a mix, uh, you know, mastering engineer, you know what I'm saying? And he was the go-to guy. And if you wanted your stuff to sound like the way it sound on the first two albums, you go to Tony Dorsey. Um, Duro, on the other hand, don't get enough credit. Duro was, we, we seen Duro from his inception, me and Buck and everybody else who worked with him. But Duro was an assistant to a guy that we used to use called Tony Somalios. He was an engineer, like in a battery and, you know, stuff like that in the job building. And um, Duro was super quiet. And I remember, I, I hope Tony never see this because I, I got to throw him under the bus a little bit. But he used to treat Duro like shit as an assistant <laughs> up to the point, you know, where Duro was the man after a while. Because Duro wouldn't say a word. He was cool as hell, but he wouldn't say anything as far as I remember. And he would sit there. He would soak up game. He would soak up everything. He learned everything, <laughs> all the tricks from Tony. He learned all the tricks from other uh, engineers, you know, and he became that guy at the end of the day. And I'm glad I never got on his bad side because, yo, he would charge a hell of a <laughs> fee, <laughs> you know, to get him to come mix your record. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And 
it, I never put two and two together when we used to go in the studio. Everybody's Doro, Doro, Doro. I'm like, Doro? Like, when I came in one day with him, me and Buck used him for, for something. But he was different now. Now he was more spunky. Now he was not as quiet, but he was still that quiet guy, but he just had a different glow to him. And I'm like, Doro? And he like, yeah, and we bust out laughing. I'm like, yo, I'm proud of you, man. Like, you took a lot of, he was like, yeah, I took a lot of stuff from people. I was like, yo, no doubt, but you, you turned out to be the man. He turned out to work with everybody. Yo, he did. He won a he won a Grammy for Empire State of Mind. Oh, he, he, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So like, he 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 did his thing, and and I think you're right. I think engineers in general don't get the credit they don't that they get enough for for how they make people sound. Um, so no, I, I I agree with that. Um, did um just a just it's more of clarification. Premier, mm -hmm. he produced interludes. Yep. He produced interest, and then five. The Chris is just chatting. Chris is a Chris is a huge. I mean, I introduced Premier to Chris, and he like that was it was a moment for him because we love Premier. We love Premier, obviously. Um, yeah. Five deadly venoms. Now I need to know who they are. Now I know the names are on there, but like I I never understood who the five deadly because you're in that right. You you include yourself in that. Who are the five yeah. deadly venoms? Nah, that was that was a personal. Uh, crew of mine that we used to run around the states and out of the country together. Um, I, I actually have one of the guys on a song on Soul in the Hole, I think. His name is Uni. He's can on a song. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Is this the same Uni who was on Bon Appetit? Yeah. Yeah, because I've been looking for this brother. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've been on Discogs, there's no pictures. There's nothing. Nah. I'm like, who is this brother? Because in the credits on Soul and All, it says Unas, N-A-S-T. Yep. yep. Right. So I was you, like, this is someone different. You is in a video. He's in a Far From Yours video. He got on the, the colorful black and gold shirt. Right. It's Fat Gary sitting at a table with a big hat. Yeah, Gary yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the whole Gangstar Foundation. And uh, Uni's the guy that's giving me the sideways look. Okay. And he got on a gold and black uh, uh, Versace shirt. And them loud ass glittery uh, <laughs> Versace shirts was hot. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, thanks for clearing that up. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. That's dope. Now, now we can screenshot that, Chris. Yeah, I no doubt. On Discogs. You know, um, um you, go on. sorry, sorry to cut you. I was gonna oh. say, um, DJ OG, my favorite. Mm -hmm. You guys have done some good songs over the years, but my favorite, since you mentioned it, is uh, Your Life, Soul in the Whole soundtrack. Um, right. That's my, that's my favorite. Yep. Yeah, it's my favorite soundtrack ever. Um, why have we never gotten DJ OG an OC album? Uh, because me and him are almost like alike to the to the to the letter, man. Like we both not not bump heads in a bad way, but. He's got a strong personality. I got a strong personality. And, you know, this is part of, people always mention DITC and forget him. He's a DITC member as well. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, he's, he's, um, he's pivotal to world life being put together. A lot of people don't know that. You know, people didn't want to, I stepped to a lot of producers on the first album and they didn't show me no love. You know, I, I guess I didn't prove myself. So, O and 
Buck and, and Prince and Marsh was just like, fuck everybody, just let's just knock this album out. We don't need the premieres, we don't need the Q-tips, we don't need the Pete Rocks at the moment. You know, no disrespect to them, but you know, I stepped to a lot of these guys early on and you know, I wasn't on their radar yet. And OG was the one that was like, forget all that. Like you playing games, like just do the album. Mm. Don't don't go by what right. what people have used and, and what Nas used and what this person has used and you know to produce their album. Just go in and do your album. Yeah. No, it's good advice. Good advice. You talk about radars though. You ended up on the radar of the West Coast. We're gonna fast forward a bit. Uh, mm -hmm. I often tell people I am a leaf of the branch of the hieroglyphics tree. Mm -hmm. um, I think in terms of me getting into hip hop music, seeing people who reflected myself meant a lot. So I saw a lot of myself in the Dells and uh, the casuals and I had friends like them. How on mm -hmm. earth does a New York MC like yourself from the land where there's so many record labels end up on the West Coast signing with Hyro? They stepped to me. Okay. Plain and simple. Um, actually, um, I was working on. I was, at this point, I was ready to retire. I was and and I don't know. I just ain't want to do no more deals with no labels. I ain't want to do none of that. So I took time off for making music for a minute, and then I got that that feeling again, and I started working with this other cat. His other brother, that's he's part of my, my circle too. His name is Mike Lowe, he's a producer. And we just started recording music in his crib and we wasn't telling anybody. And um, next thing you know, Smoke and Mirrors was almost done. So by chance, I think I bumped into, oh, damn, I don't even want to tell this story. But anyway, I'll tell it, it's, it's, it's short and sweet. Cash, Casual sent me a record to do a verse on that I never threw a verse on. Cash is my man. And um, I didn't get the, I didn't do the verse for whatever reason. And yo, Casual is is a, a different kind of dude too. He would tell you in your face how you feel, all that shit. So I'm glad he never did that. But I know he gave me the sideways look when he seen me like, you know I sent you a record, right nigga? <laughs> and I was like, um, I got a call from Dom, from Domino. And he said he was interested in putting the record out with me. And I was like, word? Like, why? And he, you know, we start laughing. And um, I said, yo, let me send you some stuff. How you gonna put a record out with me and, you know, not hear anything? He like, it ain't like we don't know what you do. <laughs> you know, we just had an idea over here in the camp. But I sent him some stuff that I, me and Mike Lowe just happened to be working on. And um, they flew to New York. You know what I'm saying? They came to New York. At that time, I think me and my manager, we had Jaguars and Benzes, literally. So when we pulled up to them, they like, why we need to make music with you when you already seem like you, you know, don't need to. And we was like, cut it out. Let's sit down. Let's talk. We worked something out and um, I ended up putting that album out on Hieroglyphics Records, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Dope, it's a the dope funny album. Thing, yeah, the funny thing about it was though, to fast forward, um, I went on a tour with them. They paid me to go on the tour with them. You know, they, they, 
to promote the, the project. And we left on one of the dates. It was 2005. I'll never forget. We left New Orleans 3 in the morning, just hours before Hurricane Katrina. Mm. So we missed Hurricane Katrina performing at um, House of Blues down there. Us and singer Life Jennings was was doing House of Blues. It was two House of Blues next door to each other. And we left like three, four in the morning, like like just missing two hours prior to the, the whole Katrina thing, which I think everything happens for a reason. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, we are part of that history as well. Mm, mm. No, definitely. I take everything in, you know, in a grain of salt and say, damn, why did that happen? You know what I mean? Mm. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, after the Hyra album, you came back to New York. So let's take it back to DITC. I mm -hmm. recall you saying, and I think, I think you have a, a really good eye for talent that you don't get credit for, but I, re I recall you saying in an interview, you always thought that Big L and Fat Joe were the stars of DITC and that they probably would have, you know, the most commercial success, even though you're all successful in your own right. What was it, right. that, what was it that you saw in, in L and Joe specifically that made you think, you know what, these men have got it? Well, L discovered, I mean, Finesse, when the, Finesse discovered L, he was out of high, he was still in high school. I think his last year in high school. So my, thought process back then was this kid ain't even coming to his own yet. Like, you know, that was raw talent, devil's son. And, you know, that whole lifestyle to the point dangerous. I was like, yo, I can imagine what this kid gonna do when he start on his next project. And, you know, between lifestyle to the point dangerous, I think he got dropped from, from Sony or from Columbia. So he was doing a lot of, features and stuff like that. So I decided to take L on the road. Um, I heard Ebonics probably a couple of years prior to that record, you know, being born, you know what I'm saying? And I've seen him grow in those next two years. Mind you, he was a high school kid. So I seen it in him, man. I seen he wanted more than just, he wanted the equivalent, put it like this, the equivalent of Jay-Z, I, I see L going that route. I don't know as far as, far deep in the rabbit hole as far as the business, but people love Jay in the beginning and they hate Jay now. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of his his business acumen, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I don't understand that. As far as Fat Joe, Fat Joe's been a smart businessman. I seen it from, we all seen it from early on, like, he was the least, personally to all of us, some of us, he was the least uh, with a pin game in the beginning. But then, you know, he found, he scouted pun, you know what I'm saying? And found pun and I believe pun added to his repertoire that made him rather dangerous. You know what I'm saying? He was a, a, a double threat afterwards. He was a, he became a triple threat later on, but I just see they wanted more than this commercial. I mean, more than the underground thing. Like they wanted success. They wanted to be those those. 
And I, I seen it happening. I didn't want it in that sense. I wanted to be successful, but not in that way. I still want to walk down the street. Mm. I hear you. I hear you. Sumit, Fair. over to you, my brother. Yeah, so I want to talk about um, Jules very briefly again and talk about Freddie Fox and Bumpy Knuckles. Mm -hmm. There are two separate tracks on that album with the two mm -hmm. different names. Um, why those two different names? And also, what did you learn from him? Because you've, you know, Paul C, Large Professor, Fat Joe, Finesse, Buck, you've gone through the who, like every, like everyone that we revere, you've come through with them. Bumpy mm -hmm. Knuckles, it, it strikes me as someone who's, someone who likes to embrace someone and help them. So those two records, I've never seen that, by the way. One person, uh, one person on two tracks of the album with two different names. It might be a hip hop first. Why was that decision? And what did you learn from, from Freddie? Well, he was one of my favorite artists. You know, um, people tend to do this, um, you know, Biggie, Jay-Z, and Nas are the precedent of hip hop. And it's like, nah, you know what I'm saying? Popularity is one thing, but it's too many artists to say, there's a number one rapper, MC, whatever you want to call a person. When there's 8 billion people on the planet, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can you just single out two or three people? Yeah, to the, to the popularity and to the, you know, who's been most popular, that's one thing. But anyway, Freddie Fox was one of those guys that I listened to when I was coming up. You know, he's been on the scene forever. So, um... I didn't know him at the time. And Showbiz had a, a, a good relationship with Fox. So, you know, when I, when I uh, started working on the album and I got a little deeper to the album, I asked Show, did he know Fox? And he was like, yeah, that's my man. And I was like, yo, I need to do it on the album. He was like, you serious? I'm like, yeah, I need him on the album. And from there, man, we just was cool. You know what I'm saying? And, he actually came up with both concepts for the album. I let him do that because, yo, dude is a genius. People don't give him enough credit. Like this motherfucker could play the piano, the horn, um, oh, wow. violin. Really? You know, Bumpy Knuckles yeah. plays the violin. <laughs> yo, no, that's right. That's just a crazy visual. What? Yeah, dude is 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 musically inclined. You know what I'm saying? And he's a producer. People don't yeah. understand that. And he will knock you the fuck out at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, um, you know, I just let him, I let, I let, anytime I, I brought anyone in to, to collaborate, collaborate with me, I've always let them, you know, if they, if they got a guy or something, I'll just follow their guy. You know what I'm saying? And he came up with MUG, you know, the acronym for Money Underground and the other joint, you know what I'm saying? When the G. And, uh, Yo, I just let him do what he do, man. And um, when the G, people don't understand that's that's uh, Panji from NYG's. That's one of Premier's groups mm -hmm. on his label. He's the one that's commentating the the, the talk on NYG. And um, you know, the records came together. Me and Bunk was in the studio, and it was just magic, man. Like I would love to. We always talked about doing a project together, but. Um, dude is a genius. You, Fox you, is a genius. You know what my favorite song is that you guys have done? 
It's the um the one with static selector. Um, oh, microphone, yeah, micro, yeah. Mike Crescent. Listen, that one there. Mike Crescent. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's the one for me, mate. That one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just so you touched upon it already, now I was going to ask it later because you talked about people talk about uh, Jay Z, Biggie, and Nas, and Lost in Time. You refer to that as well, and you kind right. of you talk about Jay Z, Biggie, and Nas. It could be G Rap, uh, Kane, and and Ra, right? And I guess yeah. Well, AG said that. Yeah, AG yes. said that on Lost in Time. Right, right. So we have this thing where hip hop Twitter and, and Chris did a whole episode on how he hates hip hop Twitter, hey, and we're, yeah. we're getting to this point where. We're forgetting so many talented artists, so many talented writers, um, and you know you've touched upon it yourself. And they're not at the forefront of these kind of so-called journalists, as we say, right? Because there's a lot of people are mm-hmm. pointing as their historians or scholars or right, document- right. documenting hip hop. Um, are we losing a you know a fighting battle? Is there or a plexiglass, as you, you know as you once called people in, in a record? Um, and and more importantly, what can we do to keep those names in the mix? You know, people don't talk about Diamond enough. Uh, finesse as producer rappers right we don't they don't talk right. about the it's almost like oh you're real hip-hop or underground hip-hop if you know that but actually hip-hop is hip-hop it don't matter about the subgenres it don't matter about nothing right so right. are we losing a, a fight as, as an og are we using are we losing a fight about and how do we keep their names in the mix Nah, we're not losing the fight it's just the time that's going what's happening now is what's happening and i think we all go through those those, it's a phase, but I mean, um, at the end of the day, you know, the 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 blueprint is always gonna be there. It might get overlooked for a minute, but you always come, like people always say vinyl. Oh, vinyl's out of here. You see it's still around, right? It's not going nowhere. It's gonna come back and go and, and be dormant as long as the, the planet Earth is rotating. And people don't, um, understanding just of like you said i'm a historian i'm a i'm a music enthusiast i'm not a hip-hop historian i'm a music historian r&b rock rap all that we can't you you know what it is chris you know what it is we came up different we came up listening actually listening to the music and buying and purchasing as opposed to it being streamed and stuff like that and i don't have anything against that to a degree but you know, we are the reason why things like that piece of vinyl was on your wall in the back and, and still in the crate. Because you can't, it's just some things you just can't get rid of. It's like Cream said, it's like roaches. We ain't never going nowhere. It's never going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. Um one one last thing, because you mentioned about different genres of rap, and you mentioned the art of noise logo. Mm-hmm. Now that, that do you, did you, where did you see that? Like, is, it, is that something you listened to? Did you, is that just a witty reference or did you listen to Art of Noise? Yeah, I listened to Art of Noise. Nice. I listened to the slow jam joint and I listened to the, the thing that everybody knows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but what about it? No, it just, it was more that you, <laughs> it's more that you referenced it. I was like, yo, that's synth pop, like, that's that to me to to hear that in a rap record was just like it blew my mind because it's the it's the it's the dichotomy right the smart and the and it's the way you it's that's the writing thing that right. you talked about. But it's so the we, things that we look at on album like if 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 we go back and look at a Parliament Funkadelic album, I'm sure it's things that we looked at the, the album covers so many times or one of the album covers or some of the album covers 
but it's always stuff you're gonna miss on it. So that's what made me, you know, getting back to the Art of Noise logo. You know what I'm saying? It, it, I look at album covers to this day and I'll be like, damn, I haven't seen that. Or, you know, I listen to a Rock Kim record and be like, damn, I didn't know that's what he meant from 30 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and that's why I say some people talk the shit about being historians, journalists. You ain't no real journalist if you ain't paying attention to the liner notes on the album cover. Yeah. Especially a musical journalist. 100%. 100%. We come from the era of looking at, damn, who produced this? Who is this guy? Who are the organisms? Who's this person? Who's these persons? Like, we pay attention to this I, day. How I, how I would get to soul, how, to, how I'd get build up my soul collection would be looking at what samples are used in rap music, then go right. back and then go, right, this is how they flipped it. Mm -hmm. right. that's, how I, that's, that's how I actually went through, that's how I got Lenny Williams or whoever it is, Noel Pointer. That's how I got exactly. my knowledge of that music because I'm, I'm, I wasn't outside, right? I was too young. Right, right. But I got that from reading, right, this, yo, he, Brothers Johnson or I right, called James Brown, Limited Service right. Record and, and understand why they then flipped it. Chris. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then you find out they have catalogs and catalogs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. You talk about music and going through discographies, liner notes. One morning a few years ago, I woke up and I got an email from Bandcamp. Um, uh, OC and Debonair P. Mm -hmm. Dive in EP, right? I had no mm -hmm. idea who Debonair P was at the time. But when I heard this, I was like, yo, this sounds like a this sounds like a continuation of trophies. And for right. me, I feel like diving is probably one of the most overlooked pieces of your discography. I remember you put on Instagram that if you've got this, you're a, you're a, you're a digger, you're an OC connoisseur. Right. How did you end up connecting with a producer from Australia? How did that whole process come together? And why was it just an EP? Because those four songs and those four remixes were amazing. Um, I was, I was going out to Australia to perform and <laughs> dude got my email somehow. <laughs> And I was like, you know, he was like, um, you want to do an EP? And I was like, first of all, who are you? You know, no disrespect, but I never heard of you. And, and um, what are you bringing to the table? You know, because at some, at, at, I don't care who you are. If the music is dope, it's just dope, whatever. And um, dude sent me prior work that he's done. I listened to it. This is a couple of days before me and Boogie Brown was going out to Australia. And then um, dude wasn't playing. He sent me, I said, yo, all right, cool. If you really serious, and he was like, what's your PayPal? And I was like, eh, this is my email and whatever. And he sent over all the money. So he put me on the spot. I was like, this is my price, you know, um, and you're gonna have to wait. So dude put me on the spot. He sent the money over in full. He sent all the tracks. So what I did was I asked him, um, you know, you know we coming out to Australia, come to the show, I'll put you on the list. He like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I live in another city that's probably 10 hours away from where y'all going. And I'll wait for you to get me the stuff back. And I was like, wow, like this dude trust me for not knowing me. And um, I wrote the record while I was out there. I wrote the, the joints while I was out there, got back home, recorded them, sent them back. And I told him if he needed me to change anything, I'd be happy to. And he was like, nah, we good. 
And that was it. Okay. Dope. Dope PP, though. I really, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Mr. Summit, I know you've got some other burning questions before we, we head to the finish line. Uh, yo, um, I was looking at the liner notes again for Jules. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. This is, this, this is the thing, right? Now, I could be completely wrong. And I didn't tell Chris this before. So I'm going to keep it a surprise. And I could be completely okay. wrong. It could be the wrong person. Uh, but it was too much of a coincidence. So in your liner notes, um, after shouting at all the mixed DJs, radio DJs, you say, peace to my man, DJ Khaled and Amber down in Miami. Now, mm-hmm. is that the DJ Khaled that we know of now, the mixed DJ, the radio personality, or is that a different DJ Khaled completely? Because I just saw that today. Yes, that's DJ Khaled. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You see, he's, he's been around for a minute. He's but, been around forever. No, nah, but did you see, but see how it's full circle, Chris? Yeah. OC mm-hmm. said, I'll be hearing something from Rakim that from 30 years ago and just realized he said that. I looked at that just before we, I looked at it again before the interview and I said to him, I found something and I'm not going to tell you because I might be wrong. But <laughs> if it is, yo. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Yo, Khaled is a hip hop head. People be trying to shit on him. He's a hip hop head. I don't care what he's doing and what you don't like about him. And, Dude will, he's an historian, he's a real DJ. He's a real DJ. You know, he had pirate, this guy went from pirate, yo, let me tell you something. He flew down, he used to be a promoter too. So I think um, the first time I met him, he flew me and like six other people down from my, my crew and the juggernauts. So we was doing a show together. The show didn't go on as well as, you know, as he promoted it. But um, that guy kept us down there for an extra couple of days. And, you know, we got to know each other a little bit. And, and um, dude had a, a satellite, a big ass satellite dish on top of a bus. You know, he had a, a they had a, they, they had a spot where they, they, they transmitted from the station, but they had a, a mobile bus. This was 97. <laughs> <laughs> they had a mobile bus with a big ass satellite dish on it. And they was a, a they was an official pirate station, for real, for real. And, you know, a lot of people don't know, he got ties to Loop and he got ties to the city, period. And, you know, so when people come at me and be like, yo, that college shit, I'm like, nah, that's, he's exactly where he's supposed to be. He's a DJ. This is what he does. Mm. This is what DJs do, produce. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of uh, producing and A&Rs, Mr. Dave. Sweet. Mm. Cold, cold, like... Cold waxing, nigga. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I can't say that. So you could just say co-waxer. Yeah, you know, I know, I know, I know. I just, you know, I stumbled a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Like, come <laughs> it's on. It's all good. <laughs> Um, so he, he's been so integral, especially in the early albums and, and going through your career. Um, how'd you meet me? How'd you meet him? How, how did that connect come about? Um, the industry no-no. He was the a and on, you know, he was the a and at uh, uh, Payday Records. Payday, yeah. You know, and another no-no, I don't regret it, but, you know, he became my manager. He was the manager for me and j and, um, you know, he's part of the Gangstar Foundation as well. You go on, um, 
what album is that? One of the albums, you know, you go in the back there on it, there in front of a table. You got Fat Gary, you got Mr. Dave, J. Rule, you got the whole group home. Everybody's on the back of the album cover. So that's the that he comes from that, that cloth. Um, I haven't seen Mr. Dave in years. I don't know where Mr. Dave is at. Like I call him Don King though. <laughs> he don't like it, but I used to call him, I started calling him Don King, because if it wasn't by the dollar, it ain't make no sense to him. No, no, don't, you um, you immortalize a lot of people close to you in your music. We love that about you. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's cousin Boom, I mean Chris told me when I first when I first told him your OC's coming to po- podcast, first thing Chris said was cousin Boo. What's up with yep. cousin Boo, right? That's um, like my that's that's my muse. Like, see, I, I mean it ain't no secret at this point. I've been doing this almost 30 years. Cousin Boo helped me uh put together a lot of music from day one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, gave me ideas. Um, I think on a project with AG, I wrote a record called Contagious. That's your solo record from that from that project. My solo record, yeah. And yeah. A lot, I contribute a lot of that that record to my cousin Boo. I, I could contribute a lot of stuff to his, his to cousin Boo, but you know, um, the whole acronym of what's going on right now. Is that record? I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask you that, but I thought no, that's gonna be way too Spanish. Um, I was listening to Contagious today, and I'm like, oh my god, this is, this is what's going on right now. Yeah, it's something like the flu go around and immune to the sound. You catch it like germs. You get people a pound or a cough or a sneeze. My team's an academic. I shit so sick you end up in the clinic. Everything on that record is. I told my wife a while ago, I'm like, yo, this shit is scary. Mm. Like you got to be careful what you say. Words of power. Definitely, definitely. We've got some, cousin um, Boo. That was him. Yeah, you know what? I wanted to ask you about cousin Boo, but I had to also. I wanted to tread carefully because I know, especially with hip hop in, in the, from the nineties and earlier on, a lot of the people you guys spoke about aren't here anymore. Um, you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of lot of loss and a lot of trauma. As much as we enjoy the music, um, right? And I just wanted to tread carefully because I wasn't sure. But it's good to hear that cousin Boo is 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 yeah. still is still with us. So you know, shout out to yeah, cousin, nah, shout out still to cousin Boo. Yeah, cousin Boo is that's that's my muse. Yeah, until the wheels fall off, and and I mean that's life, man. We lose people. Some people move on. Some people stop speaking. You know, it's everyday life stuff. But my mm-hmm. cousin Boo, that's like we ain't never we ain't had an argument since we was kids. Wow, word. That's dope. That's right. dope. That's part one of our interview with OC. Don't forget you can follow us on social media at Break the Atoms. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. Chris will be back with me next week. Until then, peace.